You are listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. Visit us online at rolcf.org. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. Holy Spirit, you are the great teacher. We open up our hearts to you right now. We surrender everything that we know just for the chance of revelation. Holy Spirit, you are the great teacher. Open the eyes of our understanding. Do what you do best. Speak to our hearts. We desire to have transformation take place on the inside. So the outside will be seen as your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, we started uh, the first week in January. We started talking about Proverbs 29, verse, I believe it is 18, where it says, where there is no vision, or as it says in the New King James, it says no revelation, the people cast off restraints. Is that what it says on the Where there is no vision, the people perish. In the New King James, it says, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraints. And notice what the next part of the verse says. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. So you're saying, you might be saying, well, see, you've got to keep the law of God and you'll be happy. Well, that, that is very true, but let's look at, it, look at it in perspective. During this period of time, it was talking about the Torah. Matter of fact, the word law in the Hebrew literally is the word Torah. It's what it's saying is that if you don't have a vision, you're going to cast off restraint. But if you have a vision, you'll bring restraints on. Now, this morning's message is not about this verse, so we need to keep on going. But see, the Old Covenant has or had guidelines or boundaries and borders or a way of living. It was called the Torah. It just wasn't the Ten Commandments. It was the whole Old Covenant system. That system was put there so God's people could be happy when they brought themselves in the restraints of the Old Covenant. We now live in what is called the New Covenant, and the New Covenant has laws that are laws that govern the New Covenant. They are different than the laws of the Old Covenant. The disciples said, how, you know, which was the greatest? Jesus said there's two commandments that are the greatest. And they were different than the ten. So in the new covenant, you have laws. You have the law of faith, the law of love, the perfect law of liberty. There are things that within the confines of the new covenant, God has given us, if we're going to be disciples in the kingdom of heaven, if we're going to walk the way God says to walk and be the way God says to be and have all that He says we can have and do all He says we can do, He's given us some restraints. Not because He's a, a mean and cruel God, but in liberty and love, He says, listen, this is how my kingdom works. My kingdom works this way. And so it says, if a people have a clear... Let's just read it that way. Put that back up on there, please. It says, it says, where there is no vision, okay, that word vision, like I said, in the New King James, it says 
uh, revelation. It's just not information, but it's, it's revelation. It's information that comes from a revelation, from something spoken. It's actually the spoken word of God is the, the proper translation. But it says, where the people have a clear mental picture of something. See, if I want to be a football player, I've seen it. It's in my heart. I have a vision of what I know what a football player looks like. I know the way a football player acts. And I know what they got to go through to be part of the team. And so I apply my life according to those restrictions. I got to go to two days on summer in, in, in Texas or in Oklahoma. I got to go through two practices in the summertime called two days to put up so I can become and be equipped to walk in this idea of being a football player. And you're, you're willing to go through abuse. You're willing to be cussed at, hollered at, screamed at. Oh, but you come to church. Now, we're not going to cuss at you and scream at you. But, oh, well, the pastor didn't shake my hand. You, we get bent out of shape because the pastor didn't shake your hand. But we're willing to go through two-a-days just to be a football player, but we're not willing to go through anything to be a child of God. See, if I've got a clear mental picture of what God's planned for me to do in my life and the way He's called me to be and a gift, all the giftings and the power of God's all available to me, but I'm not willing to bring restraints on, you'll never live within those principles. You'll never walk in that power. You'll never experience that aspect of God for your life because you're not willing to put yourself under restraints. See, it does, see God doesn't want you, He doesn't want you to study the Bible just so He has to, so you have to study the Bible. He wants you to study the Bible so you can learn about Him and learn about that clear mental picture and learn about what you're called to do in life so you can be a vessel of His glory. And if you don't have a clear mental picture of that, you won't study the Bible. It doesn't say for you to pray without ceasing because God doesn't, just wants to hear you talk. He wants you to be in communion with Him so you can hear what He's telling you to do. So when you go out with your power and strength, you'll be able to obey and, and know where not to waste your time. A lot of us are wasting our time because we don't have a clear mental picture yeah. of what God's called us to do. Okay? So God has given us, this, this whole season that we've been in this last year has been on discipleship, doing the things we know to do, not because we have to, but because we want to and because we have that clear mental picture of being a disciple. Being a disciple means that you've chosen to set yourself apart, be sanctified, be called out from among them so you can walk this way. Instead of walking that way, you're walking this way now. Why? Because of restraints. I like that example that we had a while back ago. We shared about ice. You take water, throw it in a freezer, it's going to freeze and it's going to be a mess, right? Right? You put that same water in, a, in restraints, in little square things like this, about that size, so it fits in a glass. That same water, the same surroundings, turns into ice cubes. Now you can have a party. That same water that made a mess, now it's got, you, can use, you can do something with it. God can use you because you've been willing, you were willing to go into a restraint and be conformed into the image. Wow. You can be used. So, let's go on. That's how we started this year out, talking about being a disciple and restraints. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews. So it's with that understanding that we're going to dive into the Word this morning. The book of Hebrews, chapter 12, very popular scripture. And we're going to read it and maybe just share a little bit about it as we go along. But we are, this is just one scripture taking us to another scripture. You know how preachers are. 
You know what it means when a pastor says just one more scripture? It means absolutely nothing. All right. So we'll just go ahead and start there. Just one more scripture before we end. And what's that mean? Absolutely nothing. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let's stop right there for a second. Notice it says weight and the sin. See, everybody knows that sin will mess you up. Sin will slow you down. Sin will keep you from fulfilling the call of God on your life. All right? Now, sin, I don't mean, everybody, when I say sin, go bad. Okay, sin, so we know sin is bad, right? I just want to make that, I'm not minimizing sin when I'm saying what I'm, but sin is not the issue. It's what sin does to you. Sin will steal your authority. Excuse me, it won't steal it, but you will think you're, you don't have it. Right. Sin is deceptive. You think your authority is based on your actions, whether they be good or whether they bad. You feel much more like a Christian when you've walked all week. Excuse me. You feel much more like a Christian when you made it from the house to the church on Sunday without hollering, screaming, and sinning. You know what I'm saying? You feel, oh, I'm, I'm holy today. Because I had messed up. See, you, you need to understand that your authority is not based on what you do. Your authority is based on what He did. See, He said, all authority has been given unto me. Now I give it unto you. If only you do everything just right. He didn't say that, did He? He just said He gave it to us. So it's ours. But we don't feel like we walk in that authority because of our do's and don'ts. That's what we're really going to talk about this morning is the doing and the doning of a Christian life. How, how about that for some words? The doing and the doning. See, it's really called the power of being, not the power of doing. We are not created human doings. We're created human beings. There is a power that is inside of us that if we could just learn who we are, not because of what we do, but because of what's been said about us, because God's view and opinion. It, we're human beings the power of being who we already are one of the things we learn on wednesday night is uh the laws of physics we had to do a, a, a teaching on heart physics and the first law of physics is every action has an opposite and equal reaction and what that means in the world of physics is the harder you push this way the same force is pushing the other way and in heart physics it's the same way so if you tell yourself i must become a good person you are telling yourself that you're a bad person through the process of elimination if you have to become something you're telling yourself you're not that something so that something is dependent upon your performance and when you base your life on your performance Satan has got you the system has got you if you can prove to me that you're a Christian because of what you do I can prove to you Prove to you you're not a Christian by what you don't do. Who wants to take me on? See, you being you is not based on you. You being you is based on Him. Your spiritual life is based on you. See, in the realm of the Spirit, you're completing Christ Jesus. 
You're complete. The Bible says you're complete. Now, you're not complete in the realm of your soul, your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions. That's why we're supposed to repent, to change the way we think. So it says here, it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And that weight, uh, we've talked about this before, but when they would train for, for running races back in Greek times, they would put weights on their, their feet and on their back, and they would run a certain distance. They'd add more weight to it and run the same distance until they could run that same distance, you know, with the same time over and over. And they'd add more weight, and they could, they'd run it until they got in the condition they could run just as fast. And right, at, right before the race, they'd shed the weights and then run. Okay, they'd run that same distance faster than they could ever run without the resistance. See, there, there's things in our life that's resisting. It's not bad. It's not sin. Sin? Okay, it's not sin. It's just weight. It's just things that resist us from going as fast as we could go. It says, lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run. Everybody say run. run. With endurance. See, the only way you're going to run with endurance is if you take the sin out of your life and the weight off your back. So, how does it tell us to run? It says, let us run. I like this part. With endurance, the race set before us. Uh-oh, what's the next word? Looking unto Jesus. There's our clear mental picture. There's our example. There's the race set before us. We need to run with endurance. How are you going to run with endurance? You take the weight and the sin off. And the way you do that is by seeing that clear mental picture. There's Jesus. Oh, I'm supposed to be conformed to the image of Christ Jesus. Man, that's what, we're, that's what we're supposed to be running to. We're supposed to be getting the world off of us and getting the Holy Ghost in, in, in more in us. So there's my clear mental picture. I'm running the race, looking unto Jesus... And it says, the author and finisher of that faith, who for the joy set before him. How was he able to endure the cross? He had a clear mental picture of the joy set before him. And because he had a clear mental picture of the race he was supposed to run, he was willing to endure the confines and the shape of the cross. He was willing to go through what he had to go through, put himself through the confines of what he had to go through to establish the joy set before him. He wanted to receive the prize of the joy set before him. That was the clear mental picture that God gave Jesus so he could do what he had to do to get done what he had to get done for you and me. Man, that's powerful. That's powerful. Now let's go on and read the rest of this. Verse 2, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand. Man, when you realize you're supposed to be Jesus sitting down at the right hand of the throne of God. When you start realizing that you're in Christ at the right hand of the throne of God, that'll change your life right there. For consider him. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to consider him, and that's what we're going to do this morning. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. What makes you weary and discouraged in your soul? Well, it says, You have not resisted the bloodshed striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as 
sons. See, there's a realm in your being called your soul. Your spirit man is complete in Christ Jesus. You've been born again. You're a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that lives in me. Oh, but your thoughts, your feelings, and emotions don't know that yet. And what this word is saying is that within the realm of your soul, your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, that's where you get weary, and that's where you grow discouraged. And the reason you grow weary and discouraged in your soul is because you have forgotten the exhortation that exhorts you on who you are. You are a son of God. You are a child of God. You aren't a sinner saved by grace. You're a saint. You're a king's kid. You walk in nobility. So, what the Bible's telling us, that if you don't want to grow discouraged and weary in the race and the life that you've got to live, what do you got to do? What's the restraint you've got to do? You've got to keep a clear mental picture of whose child you are. Good. In the book of Matthew, chapter 4, and actually it's at the end of chapter 3, Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist. It's really the pinnacle of our ministry, this message. But Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist, and a dove ascends from heaven, descends from heaven, and Jesus hears for the first time words that he hears periodically throughout his ministry. He hears this, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. I believe with all my heart from what Scripture says that Jesus knew who his Father was. He knew it as a young boy who his father was. He must be about his father's business is what he said. He knew his father. But I believe he heard it for the first time when he was baptized. In chapter 4, verse 1, he's led, by the, led out into the desert to be tempted by the tempter. The first temptation of Jesus Christ was to turn the rocks into bread. He had fasted and prayed for 40 days, hadn't drank or eaten anything. He comes, you know, and there's rocks all around, and the tempter comes to him. He said, if you be the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. Yeah. Now, just a little side note, when Moses came down and took the Ten Commandments and threw the Ten Commandments down on the ground, and they broke into little pieces, you, you know what they use for, uh, when they to administer the law when someone disobeyed the Ten Commandments, you know what they used? They used stones for stoning. That's where they got that from. When you broke the law, the law was breaking you. Okay? And so stones were used. You know, so when the Bible says here, and Jesus' reply was this, is man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What it's saying is this, is that man's life, the essence of your life, the essence of your living isn't going to be from the substance of bread, but your substance is going to be from the word of God that's spoken that you've heard. Jesus wasn't going to turn the stones into bread because if he would turn the stones into bread, he would have said the law was going to be your substance, that there was going to be life coming from the legality. And he said, no, I can't do that. He can't do that. Man's not going to live by substance from the law. He's going to live substance that's going to come from what he heard. See, there was no, nothing in the Levitical, nothing in the Torah that kept Jesus from turning the stones into bread. 
he wouldn't have broken any of the laws. The temptation wasn't getting to do that. The temptation was getting to doubt or to prove who he was by what he did. The question is this, if you be the Son of God, do something to prove it. Wow. That is the temptation that the devil's trying to get each and every one of us because how many of us have heard that you're not a son of God because of what you didn't do or you're not a son of God because of what you did do? See, you being a child of God is not determined by what you do and don't do. It's because of what you've heard from heaven. Have you heard that you're a child of God? Because if you've heard that you're a child of God, let that be the substance of your living. Let that be the, the, the issue of your heart. Let that be, say, remember, you've grown weary and discouraged in your soul when you have forgotten whose child you are. The exhortation in being a son. See, you may mess up. You may have weight and sin being a son. But the prodigal son was still a son. The prodigal son never stopped being a son, even though he was prodigal. He was still a son. He didn't come back because he was son. He came back just to be, have what the slaves had. That's a sad story. He still didn't recognize the father-son relationship. That's what's missing in that whole story between both the sons. The father-son. I like this next one. What was the second temptation of Jesus Christ? book of Matthew says that if you be the, I like this word, it says that, that Satan brought Jesus to the temple, to Jerusalem. Just not to Jerusalem, but took him to the temple and put him in the, the tallest, highest peak of the temple, right? Does everybody know the story? Do we need to read it? Took him to the highest, now, now, now what would we call the temple in today's time? Church. Church. The devil took Jesus to church and tempted him with Scripture. If you be the Son of God, the Scripture says that you would do this. I tell you what, the church, I can't say it that way. That's a little too bold. Some churches, now I can't say it that way either. You figure it out. Just because you throw out Scripture doesn't mean you're a vessel of God. Some of you got that one. Just because someone uses Scripture doesn't mean they're being a voice of Almighty. The question is, what are they putting you into? The devil used Scripture, but he said, if you be the Son of God, perform the Scripture, because it says, man, See, the temptation, see, it's not the weight and the sin. Sin is not the, sin? Sin is not the issue. It's what happens in you when you sin. The devil doesn't care if you commit adultery or cheat on your taxes. As long as the result is the same. You not walking in the clear mental picture God has placed before you. Getting you to live outside your restraints will keep you from being who you're called to be in reality. 
You'll just know it in your head as information, but you won't ever live in the kingdom of heaven on this earth because you're living outside the restraints of the cross. See, Jesus was restrained by the shape of the cross. He was willing to live within those restraints to do what he was called to do, to destroy sin and the devil because the devil had sinned from the beginning. Wow. See, if this principle is true, we should be go through other places in the Word. What was the problem with Adam and Eve? Eve was not this terrible person that hated God. The devil came to her and said, Listen, if, if you want to be like God, all you got to do is eat of this tree, eat of this fruit. And Eve said, You mean all I got to do is something on the outside to be more valuable on the inside? Yeah. And so she fell through the trap. Listen, right before the devil told her that that's all she had to do but to be like God, the scripture says that Adam and Eve were created in the image and the... They were already like God. They were created in the being. They were human beings in the divine image of God. And Satan made her think in her mind that she could do something on the outside to make her more valuable on the inside. You can't do anything to give yourself more power than what Jesus Christ has already given you and made available to you. But what you do will determine whether you re live in the reality of that power that you already have. Oh, church, this is powerful. What was the last temptation of Jesus Christ? Hanging on the cross in the confines that God had set for him to live in so he could do what he's been called to do, willing to go through the confines, the restrictions, the, the boundaries and borders that fit the call. Roman centurion looks up and says, If you be the Son of God. Pull yourself down. He could have called 10,000 angels. Man. It is the power on the inside, the power of being with a clear mental picture that's going to cause you to do the things that you're called. See, it may be okay for other people to do other things, but for you it's not because of the call, the confines, the restrictions. You can't put your call on somebody else. Yeah. Quit worrying about what they can do and start looking at that clear mental picture and what God has called you to do. As disciples, there's basic things that we're called to do. And you know me, I am a, I'm a liberated, I believe in liberty and freedom and the justice for all. Leaping tall buildings with a single bound, stopping locomotives, running faster than a speeding bullet type of guy. You know what I'm saying? That's who I, yes, freedom from the law, unconditional love, but not unconditional living. And there may be a season where you have to walk a certain way, but there's be a season when you can let that go because now you, you've been trained. See, a football player knows how to block. 
But the moment he forgets his basic is the moment he's not a football player. There's a basic way to tackle, a basic way to block. And they are always practicing the basics. But there comes a time in his life when it just becomes natural. And pretty soon, loving the unlovable just becomes natural. Giving beyond 10% just becomes natural. It's not about 10% anymore. It's about 100%. You've given your whole life to God instead of just a portion and expecting a portion. I want all of God all the time so He can have all of me anytime. Amen? I tell you what, church. There, there, there's a, in discipleship, there's some things and guidelines in the Word. The Bible says this. The Bible says for us to flee. You know what the word... What's another word for flee? Run! I like that. Flee! Flee fornication is what the Scripture says. Run from it! I, I, there are things we're supposed to run from. We're not supposed to even cuddle up. There's, I, I was talking to Christina about this this morning, about doing a little skit. You know, how some of us just walk right next to what we're not supposed to be against to. Just, to, just, no, you're not running. You're not fleeing. See, watch this. When you, this is all scripture. Just one more scripture, right? When, when you make a practice of obeying the confines of the word because of the clear mental picture that you have, and you apply the word in your life that says, run! I was watching a movie called The, the Minority Report. Anybody ever see that movie? Yeah, you've got a couple of little sci-fi people in here. Yeah, yeah. And you got those people that know, know the future, and she's with Tom Cruise, you know what I'm saying? And they're in that house. And she looks at Tom Cruise and goes, Run! And he looks at her like, What are you saying? And she goes, She doesn't say this like, Oh, dummy. Run! And she's trying to tell him to... Run! Why? Because the bad guys were coming and she knew about it. See, the Bible says for you to... Run from fornication. Why? Because the Bible knows there's bad guys out there, and if you don't run, they're going to get you. They're going to get you. So if they get you and you go, oh, darn it, they got me again. You know why they got you again? Because you didn't run. Look what the Bible says. When you learn how to run and obey what the Word says to do about running, the Bible says, I think it is in James chapter 4. It says, when it says, when now after you've ran and built up your strength and you know who God's called you to be and you're running the race, you're running the race set before you. Resist the devil and then he will run from you. The devil will run from you. The temptation for you to doubt who you are in Christ Jesus will go away. Wow. It's not about you not doing stuff. It's about you hanging on to the reality of the spoken word of God and who you are and whose you are. Hallelujah. You are a child of God. And when you 
firmly found your heart and soul and mind, and you resist the devil, and you know who you are in Christ, he will flee from you. It sounds like someone got victory. It sounds like you were running from him because of the confines. But once you, confine, once you get to know that you're an ice cube and you can have a party. See, in the book of Luke, chapter 4, the same passage of Scripture talking about the temptations of Jesus. After the third temptation, it says down there that the tempter left for a more opportune time. In other words, there was no more time, there was no opportunity for the tempter to come and tempt Jesus again until he was on a cross. The Bible says he was tempted in all things. This passage of Scripture says, and when he had been tempted in all things. You know, the only thing that you're tempted in is not to turn the rocks into bread. It's not to make the scripture come to pass. Every sin, every sin, it's not about what you do, it's what happens to you when you do it is the issue. Every sin that's out there to do, its only purpose and goal is to get you to think that you're not who God says you are. Period. That's why there's no difference between a heart of unbelief and somebody that kills somebody. Because either one of them will cause you not to think of yourself as the way God says for you to be. Man. That's the gospel. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come on, that's just not scripture. That's truth. You bring your life into restraints because of a clear mental picture, because of the call of God. You do now what you've got to do so you can become. You, you just live the life. It's because you already are that. You're not doing what you're doing to become a son. I am because I believe. Because you believe you're a son, you're a child. You're more than a conqueror. The scripture says the power of God that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. I guarantee you, you can't commit a sin if right before you do it, you stop and say, I'm a child of God. I'm the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. I'm an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. And you turn around and do something anyway. He can't do it. Unless it's just words and not in your heart. But if you see yourself, I guarantee you, you, next time you're out there trying to commit adultery, you walking in that bedroom door at the hotel, and you go, I'm a child of God. No weapon formed against me will prosper. You start quoting scripture, you're going to turn around and walk back out. The word works. You're going to build yourself up. That's what praying in the Holy Ghost means. Amen. You pray in the Holy Ghost, what you're doing? You're building yourself up on your most holy face, faith. See, that is a restriction. That's a restriction for you to be strong in faith. You need to be praying in the Holy Ghost. If you don't pray in the Holy Ghost, you're not going to be strong in faith. It's like being on a football team not going to practice. 
How long are you going to be? Are you going to, you want to be on the bench. You don't go to practice. The Bible says, give and it shall be given. The Bible says, pray in the Holy Ghost. Build yourself up. The Bible says, lay your hands on the sick. Well, what if it doesn't happen? What if it does? But what if it doesn't happen? What if it does? Come on. Let's stand up. Father, we thank you for this opportunity you've given us to open your word. We love your word. We cherish your word. Holy Spirit, we desire for your word to be embedded in our heart to allow your word to transform us from the inside out. May we understand that we are beings, not doings. That you have birthed in us your spirit. That we are a new creature. Yet you've taken out of both and you've made one new creature, creation. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. And we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus on this planet earth. As ambassadors, you've sent us out with your word. You've told us to speak. And when we speak, speak with the oracles of you.